Hey everybody, welcome to Grubstakers. Today, we're going to take a trip to the land down under to investigate Gina Reinhardt. She's a mining heiress. Uh, some people think she rocks. We'll see whether she does. So uh, throw a shrimp on the barbie, crack open a Foster's, and uh, here comes some Grubstakers for you. I think we disproportionately stop whites too much. I taught those kids lessons on product development and marketing, and they taught me what it was like growing up feeling targeted for your race. I am proud to be gay. I am proud to be a Republican. You know, I went to a tough school in Queens that they used to beat up the little Jewish boys. You know, I love having the support of real billionaires. Hey everybody, welcome to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. I'm here, Sean P. McCarthy, joined as always by my friends... Andy Palmer. Yogi Polywall. Uh, Steve Jeffries is out today. He's doing essential work for the DSA. Uh, they gave him the contract. He's going to carry out the hit on Angela Nagel. That's right. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, but we're very happy to be here. Uh, uh, we're doing an international episode today. You know, I, all of our billionaires up till now have been uh, United States billionaires. That's right. And you know, we Americans, we may think that we are the only people in the world who matter or whatever other arrogant stereotypes you might have if you are listening from outside of the United States. But we wanted to give a thank you to the people of Australia who That's have, right. I believe, our, our biggest uh, listenership outside of the United States comes from Australia. I think Canada might beat them a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, I guess. Canada's but America, if you know what I mean. It's the 51st Across the pond, Australia is our number one. That's why today we are doing an episode of uh, Gina Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. Um, Born Gina Hancock, uh, the richest woman in Australia. So we're going to uh, get into that. And her name is shortened. Uh, her actual name is Georgina because her father wanted a boy named George, but settled with a daughter named Georgina. And uh, I think we'll dig into her father first. He settled with three daughters, <laughs> one of which he acknowledged, <laughs> <laughs> named Georgina. Yeah, true All right, Andy, let's, let's cut up. Andy's going to have plenty of time to... Uh, uh, Really thrill our Australian listeners with the jokes that they have heard uh, from every American doing study abroad. <laughs> In the land of wonder, the land down under. <laughs> That's where we're going today. <laughs> yeah, great. Let's get into Gina Reinhardt here. Uh, Gina Reinhardt, Forbes uh, estimates as of May 2018, she's worth about $18 billion. She is currently the seventh richest woman in the world. And as we mentioned, she's Australia's richest citizen. She was born in 1954 to a man named uh, Lang Hancock, Mm -hmm. who was uh, quite the character. Um, if we want to start with his biography, I guess. Or we should. Yeah, yeah, I I guess we'll go and. He was a charming fella. Yeah. So um, Lang Hancock, uh, essentially, uh, he was a miner, and uh, the people give various degrees of credit to him for uh, discovering what's called the Hammersley Mine, which is, uh, by volume of production, the biggest iron mine in the world currently, mm-hmm. Hammersley. And uh, so, and even today, um, uh, Gina Reinhardt's fortune, a big part of it comes from this because she gets a 1.25% annual royalty check um, from the Hammersley Mine, which was a joint venture between her father and Rio Tinto, which is an Australian and British multinational mining company. And essentially, so she gets 1.25% of the profits of the biggest mining company every year just for essentially having si- <laughs> having inherited the rights. Right, you right. Know, like, no That's work whatsoever. 
Um, but uh, so the the urban legend is that uh, Mr. Lang Hancock in 1952 was flying over uh, this mine, and he it was it, with his then wife, and it was a rainstorm, and apparently he noticed like the color of, uh, of the, the rain rust, basically, is what yeah. they say in the yeah. Then that this was like a very you know uh, 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 iron rich area, though um, one of her own. And he said to her, "I say turned to his wife and said." Can't you hear? Can't you hear that thunder? <laughs> you better run. You better take Go. cover. <laughs> uh, um, though it should be noted that uh, one of um, uh, Gina Reinhardt's own employees disputes this. Uh, Fred Madden uh, worked at uh, Hancock Prospecting as the company. We'll get into mm-hmm. them a bit more later. Uh, he, he worked there as an executive, and he was one of the few Gina Reinhardt employees who did not sign a non-disclosure agreement. Um, and Lucky he, him. Yeah. And basically, he said the idea that it was, quote, discovered by him uh, was ridiculous. And oh, he said, quote, overblown, excuse me. Mm. Um, and he said uh, that the iron ore there was actually, quote, discovered by a, a government geologist in the 19th century. Uh, Lang Hancock, he described as just an individual who came along at the right time. And indeed, Lang Hancock, essentially, after whether or not you want to give him credit for discovering it, lobbied Australia relentlessly to change the laws of mineral ownership. Um, and this was something Lang would do that uh, Gina does not, where he would uh, openly speak with the press and really embellish his origins and how he became Lang Hancock, mm-hmm. the man down under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess she can't really do that, being that she's an heiress to his empire, so she can't be like, and then I discovered... All of my dad's money. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. that's like, and that's, this is like where her, her personality, she's very prickly about this idea of being an heiress or whatever. Uh, my main source for this uh, episode is a, a great New Yorker article, a link to on the uh, Tumblr. Uh, it's, it's about her. It's called The Miner's Daughter. But basically they say that um, her, her website uh, for like the current project they have going at Roy Hill, which we'll also talk about a, l- a little bit, the website like and other media that's officially uh, launched by her always always tries to upplay the um, uh, financial distress that her father's estate was in right, right. <laughs> when she took it over. And, um, and of course, uh, background to this is that uh, Australia's uh, mining economy is booming mainly because of Chinese production. You know, uh, uh, Chinese manufacturing... Uh, well, it was booming in, like, 2012. Oh, okay. Uh, but she, she actually kind of her wealth went down a bit since 2012 i believe yeah i think yeah. she was worth like 30 billion mm-hmm. and now she's down to thir- uh, 18 at one point I think she it, it was 18 and now she's down to like 10 or something no, but forbes has her at 18 today oh at one point she was the richest woman uh not only in australia but also the world when at the height i believe it was around 30 billion um that but- was that was before steve jobs started his cancer treatment <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, Lang's uh, wealth was from selling his iron to the Japanese. Mm. Apparently, they bought a lot of oh. iron from him back then. But Lang also not only did this mining stuff, but he also was they, an asbestos. They needed that iron to manufacture tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> they had this huge that Godzilla problem. That is an offensive stereotype, Sean. Foster's Australian for me. <laughs> Sorry, a little interlude from our sponsor. Fun digression. Uh, they do not drink fosters in australia as you might have heard but um the most popular beers down there in the top five are corona i believe is number two i'm, I'm just remembering this and um i believe uh, victoria is actually another mexican beer that's very popular down there 
Okay, well, I just have this one. Foster's Australian for beer. <laughs> but yeah, Lang was manufacturing asbestos as well. Yes. That was the other thing he was so, doing. So yes, before he discovers, quote unquote, this iron mine, uh, he is a, uh, and I'm quoting from the New Yorker, he ran a blue asbestos mine uh, in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, that was, again, quoting from the New Yorker, thought to have caused hundreds of asbestos-related deaths, right. uh, many of them among its largely aboriginal workforce. And uh, if you've uh, read a little bit about Australia or you uh, uh, live in Australia, you might know that uh, the country has a, um, a troubled history with the aboriginal people who live there. And uh, in the case of Lang Hancock, he was a, had some outspoken opinions on uh, them. Mm. Lane, what do you think? Those that have been assimilated into you know, earning good living or earning wages amongst the civilized areas that have been accepted into society and they have accepted society and can handle society, I'd leave them well alone. The ones that are no good to themselves and can't accept things, the half-caste, and this is where most of the trouble comes, I would dope the water up so that they were sterile and would breed themselves out in future, and that would solve wow. the problem. Apparently, he is not including his illegitimate daughter in that quote. You know, she's <laughs> one of the good ones. You know, she really. No, she's one of the half cats or half cats. I don't. I don't know if he was trying to like cool it up with his eugenics. Like, hey, the the half cats. Uh, <laughs> we need to sterilize them. I think so. I think he's trying to be we real need, hip. We need to castrate those half cats, <laughs> Daddy O. There's the gang in West Side Story that drinks gasoline. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that was in the 1980s that he said that, right? Yeah, 84, I think. Yeah. Something like was, that, yeah. yeah. It and it was on, interview. like, government television. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like a hidden microphone. No. It yeah. was, like, a studio yeah. <laughs> with a camera pointed at him. And he's like, yeah, we need to get rid of the uh, aboriginals. Uh, what happened to Australian men, huh? <laughs> 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 but so, it, we mentioned uh, he um, allegedly had a... a an illegitimate child with an aboriginal woman and uh, i'm quoting uh from the new yorker here it's a hilda kicket mm-hmm. um and the new yorker says that she is the member a member of what is called in australia the stolen generation which was basically aboriginal children well, i'll quote here aboriginal children who were seized from their parents by the state with little or no explanation and raised in orphanages right. under an openly racist policy that was in place till 1969 um and and there's this uh, Daily Telegraph uh, article about uh, Hilda Kickett, and uh, basically she talks about like growing up, uh, Lang would come by and give her gifts, and like was basically essentially here, drink this water. <laughs> 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 um, but basically, like you know, a kind of decent deadbeat dad. But then essentially, she didn't know about him being her father for years, and then by the time she found out. Uh, there's no money for you, Hilda. It's all for me, Georgina. Yeah, she's got to uh, uh, fund a climate change denial or whatever <laughs> other charitable project she's working on. I but, heard uh, there was like another child uh, that right uh, Gina's mother had, but then they went on a camping trip and. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, you know those dingoes are our problem. Uh... I like how we pitched this idea as like an episode to kind of appeal to our Australian listeners, but what we're actually going to do is alienate all of our <laughs> Australian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> like, oh, they're doing Dingo Ate My Baby and Foster's Beer Jokes. Well, listen. Because every day is a good day in Australia. <laughs> <laughs>
Listen. Wait, wait do the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Come and say g'day. I'll slip an extra shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so... Um, uh, her father, um, uh, Mr. Lang Hancock, uh, again, uh, rather controversial, killed hundreds, <laughs> possibly, of Aboriginal and other miners with asbestos poisoning. And random note to the end of his life, he denied that there was any problem with Wrong asbestos. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Like, asbestos doesn't cause health problems and, you know, this kind of nonsense. And then, uh, like daughter, like father, um, uh, Gina Reinhardt is a huge global warming denialist and uh, funds those kinds of projects throughout Australia. And, and in fact, helped lobby to get the carbon tax that existed in Australia repealed. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, what a piece of shit. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, I have found no evidence of this, but considering his uh, close uh, political ideology with uh, Charles Lindbergh, I'm going to speculate that he murdered Amelia Earhart. <laughs> I mean, he was in World War II. We don't know what they did. Yeah, God. nobody. She thought, was in the area. Nobody thought about looking out for the dingo with the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So basically, um, we mentioned uh, Gina Reinhardt was born Gina Hancock. She took the name uh, uh, Reinhardt from an American lawyer named Frank Reinhardt who was uh, disbarred in the U.S. for tax fraud. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, and that's when she fell in love. But, yeah, so we should kind of cover the um, estate battles because um, Frank Reinhardt, her husband, dies in 1990, but uh, Lang Hancock, her father, is uh, very much skeptical of this guy, and he thinks he's uh, maneuvering her against him mm-hmm. in the um, uh, estate battle. Wait, so her first husband died in 1990? No, her second husband. Yeah, it husband. was her second husband. Her first yes. husband okay. got divorced in 1981. Okay. Greg Hayward. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much information about him. Oh, so Reinhardt died in 1990. Correct. Yes. Okay. Right. But, but uh, yeah, Lang suspected that Reinhardt was positioning Gina to try and do a hostile takeover. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I mean, here's the thing. You know, a thing that you'll notice with the Hancock, Reinhardt's, whatever you want to call it, is that... All of them are trying to take one another's money, even though it's all their own. Right. It'd be yeah, like, there's a lot of like palace intrigue with the Reinhardts. Yes. Like, so essentially when uh, Lang, uh, after Lang lost his, his lovely lady, mm-hmm. he fell in love with his... Uh, housekeeper. Housekeeper. Right. Uh, named Rose. And then a, there was a legendary feud between Gina and Rose because Gina thought that Rose was going to take all the money. Right. Yes, this is this actually was the stuff of uh, TV miniseries and libel lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> um, House of Hancocks. Yes. So they they made a, a TV series. Well, I guess we're jumping ahead. Um, but but basically, so um, Lang Hancock and uh, uh, Gina. I like to think of it as the Godfather Part Four. <laughs> All the quality of part three. <laughs> but so uh, Gina and her father like got along very well. And she kind of like had uh, originally, you know, she kind of like worshipped the man and was she like, was a daddy's girl obsessed with, you know, minerals and mining or whatever the fuck. There's some story right. about how he bought her like 10 cars for I think when she was in high school or whatever. The Australian yeah, the, their story to show her love. She filled them with rocks. There's like other stories about they would travel 600 miles for groceries between like the mines oh, yeah. and like so essentially she was a daddy's girl uh, through and through to the term including mm-hmm. their blood um, but uh, Rose 
Petraeus is a very interesting person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to procure a uh, episode two of House of Hancock's, right? Uh, because the uh, the defamation lawsuit is that what it's called? Sean? Yeah, libel lawsuit. The libel lawsuit that uh, G- uh, Gina uh, Reinhardt, Reinhardt uh, gave them basically made it so that they couldn't release it on DVD and they couldn't stream it. Uh, libel laws are great, aren't they, folks? And McCarthy, you said that they made it also so that uh, she like made cuts in the second episode? Right, so here's the quote from The Guardian. Uh, she won the right to see the second episode before it was broadcast uh, and ordered nine parts edited out of it. And then she later took legal action, uh, uh, quoting from The Guardian, she later took legal action against the network and subsequently the production company <laughs> oh for defini- defamation. And uh, it should be just be noted, like, um, you know, for all the United States' flaws, uh, the First Amendment and freedom of speech or whatever is, uh, I think, a unequivocally good thing because um, the United Kingdom and Australia have much more stringent libel laws. Right. Donald Trump, for his part, wants to bring stringent libel laws here so he can sue the press. And it's I like... Well, it's like what happens with libel laws or the courts in general is that people who have the resources to contest speech are the ones who actually end up contesting them. And, uh, you know, there have been stories about, like, in the in the United Kingdom, because it's so easy to sue uh, book publishers there, if, if a book is published in the United States that somebody doesn't like, they will order a copy to be sent to the United Kingdom, and then when it arrives, sue them in U.K. courts oh, really? for a libel. Wow. Um, you know, so if uh, you are listening um, in Australia, I'm sorry that you have become a defendant. <laughs> In the subsequent lawsuit that will be filed against us. Um, I'm pretty sure that the first episode of House of Hancock has a lot more juicy dirt because the second one that I watched, I got about 40 minutes into uh, of the hour of it. And um, I have to say it's surprisingly accurate. (laughs) Um, uh, More importantly, the production... Except they made Gina like 10 times as hot. (laughs) I will say that uh, the casting on House of Hancock's fucking perfect. Mm. Uh, I don't know how many Australians look like this uh, billionaire family, but they got the best versions <laughs> that are also actors. Mm. Um, and Rose uh, now portrays is like surprisingly interesting. She's got her own Wikipedia page, and if you look at her occupations, right after after uh, Lang died. Rose married his best friend. Yes, Ooh, f- literally which, five months later. Yeah, Ooh. which and, solid double dipping. Right, right. House of Hancock, the wildly accurate documentary about <laughs> the Reinhardt family, uh, shows uh, Rose. That ba- statement just cost Yogi ten million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, it shows like uh, Rose badgering Lang. Being like, because Lang was f- not forced, but basically Lang said, Gina, you're going to get the company when I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And Rose was saying that, like, maybe you should keep, like, the shit you made, because, I don't know, you a boss, son. And also, you know, that would make it so that Rose would receive a good chunk of that money. So, I think the, uh, what, what it was, was They're the- very urban, this family. <laughs> yes, they're extremely urban. Um, um, what well- is the thing we get sued for is calling them urban? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, Rose tells Lang, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta." Basically, the the show makes it seem that Rose badgered Lang so much that he had a heart attack in his sleep, <laughs> and that's why he died. <laughs> and there's like a very dramatic scene where Rose is like crying and the maids are pushing her into the room to finally say goodbye to Lang. It is true, though. The number one cause of uh, of death in Australia is nagging. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, and she's being pushed in the room, just dramatically crying. And Gina's sitting in the bedroom, like 
waiting for her to come in and Rose like lays on Lang because Lang's last request was like, hey, hey, Rose, please sleep with me tonight. And she's like, how about you just take this and gives him a frame picture of herself and then the next day dies. But Gina just gives Rose the, like the biggest stink eye, like fuck you for killing my dad, lady. Well, a fun, a fun little tidbit there is after Lang died, uh, Gina had his or- several of his organs taken out before he was cremated and had them preserved so that she could make a murder case. Really? Yeah. It's like, this oh man God. has asbestos poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, she was like obsessed. It's illegal when brown people do it. <laughs> she was obsessed with like proving that Rose killed her father yes. or something. I think that she did like two autopsies or two inquests to try and That's right. get this determined. Um, but uh, excuse me. One other uh, uh, thing was that, as we mentioned, they had. Sean's been drinking Fosters. It tastes like shit. I had one. It's awful. Really? Yeah. I mean, they just sold a shit beer by convincing Americans that Australians drink it when nobody in Australia <laughs> drinks it. Um, but anyway, so uh, 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 they were close originally, but then um, with uh, Frank Reinhardt and with uh, Rose, their relationship was strained, and apparently um, Gina Reinhardt told her father that uh, he was a laughing s- stock, and uh, I'm quoting from the Independent here, the subject of, quote, dirty old man jokes, <laughs> because he took up with his housekeeper. And he uh, apparently responded, uh, if you won't consider my well-being, at least allow me to remember you as a neat, trim, capable, and attractive young baby, a young lady, rather than the slothful, vindictive, and devious baby elephant that you have become. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I think baby elephant is the best insult anybody will ever land right. on her. In uh, House of Hancock's, the riveting biography documentary about the Reinhardt family, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they show Rose uh, injecting her butt with drugs, which I'm pretty sure they talk about in the first episode, but I, can't, I couldn't find that one. Mm-hmm. But I found this uh, quote in The Guardian of Rose talking about uh, the addiction, and she's addicted to the painkiller pethidine, P-E-T-H-I-D-I-N-E, mm. and <laughs> this is really great. She goes, Porteus was also in love with the doctor who supplied her with it. Porteus suggests it was a drug-induced lust. I'm back to reality, she told an Australian tabloid. I was too busy screwing everyone. The doctors, Willie, when I was on pethidine for my back, I should have put a tattoo on one leg saying, pay as you enter, and a credit card on the other. <laughs> uh, so Rose uh, gets around, if you know what I mean. Mm. Rose knew how to get what she wanted. She put aside the, the drugs and decided to go legit. After she had been married four times. <laughs> She'll be a guest next week. <laughs> We're setting her up with Yogi. I respect the hustle. I'm just going to say that now. Um, yeah, I'll give you that. Sean, do you think do you think Rose is respectable for fucking uh, Lang to, to, to death? You know, there's worse ways to make a living, honestly. Like, yeah. I really can't judge any woman that is considered to be, you know, a gold digger whoa, whoa, or whatever. Whoa, whoa, Sean, you do that on the internet all the time. <laughs> well, unless she's like a neoliberal or... That's what Rejected I Rejected you? Yes. <laughs> in high school. <laughs> um, no, I, I wouldn't uh, uh, disrespect any uh, uh, gold digger or whatever just because it's like... Under capitalism, it's, like, fucking horrible. Like, would you rather have sex with this disgusting old man or work in his mines and die at 40, you know? Um, but so anyways, we should, uh, talk a little bit about this estate battle. The first of the sub of at least two. Um, so basically, um, they set off an 11 year legal battle. 
Um, according from the New Yorker, Gina was able to maneuver during uh, her father's last weeks alive to have him transfer control of his personal estates, main assets, and royalties to Hancock Prospecting, which was the company that Gina, of course, inherited upon his death, mm-hmm. um, and, and an associated trust, which uh, actually bankrupted his estate, which w- contributed to the subsequent financial problems she would claim that she right. took over. Um, also, real quick, when Lang died, uh, mm-hmm. there was a handful of charitable... Uh, uh, what am I saying? Uh, promises? Fuck organizations. It. Organizations. Basically, trusts. Lang promised to give a handful of charities some money, but once he passed away, Gina was like, sorry, we ain't got no more money. And then a few years later, we'd become one of the Gina, richest Gina became Rosie Perez <laughs> briefly after her father's death. As every woman does. She was like, oh, I'm sorry, that, uh, that water testing facility will have to wait. <laughs> Um, but so anyway, so, uh, Which, bad strategic move if, uh, she wanted to follow in her father's footsteps. <laughs> oh, I guess we should mention her father was like a Western Australian secessionist, mm-hmm. which, uh, again, we're Americans. We don't know all the, uh, the intricate politics. We don't of, know. And we don't care. Yes. Of Australia. But, um, from my understanding, but we do know that it's fun to say that their capital would be Perth. <laughs> Um, uh, the uh, Western Australia has a bit of a beef with the Eastern Australia because e- the East is where uh, Melbourne and Sydney, the two main cities in Australia, are located. And so kind of a, a, a federal bur- bureaucracy overreach sense comes where, you know, the Western Australians want those damn elitist Easterners to stop messing with them or whatever. And so her father... Also, as an owner of uh, several cattle ranches, mm-hmm. uh, Gina has a lot to make from that beef <laughs> moving <All right>. on <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna have to learn to say good day because <laughs> every day is a good day in australia oh my God. <laughs> but anyways the point essentially was that her father was big into this uh western australia secessionist movement and part of the reason they why they angry because not every day is a good day in western australia <laughs> 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 Um, uh, but so uh, part of the reason why was he wanted to use uh, atomic weapons like nuclear bombs to do mining, I guess, which is as far as like things you could use a nuclear bomb for not the worst, but, (laughs) (laughs) but on the other hand, you know that he's going to like set off the bomb and be like, all right, let's get the aboriginals in there. Yeah. And the guy that denies asbestos has bad medical effects. Maybe shouldn't be given nukes. Yeah. Hmm. Now it's safe. (laughs) We're going to use this uh, nuclear weapon to clear a harbor on this uh, Aboriginal burial site. (laughs) Wow, that is a very cruel JFK. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I didn't sign up to do accents, okay? I'm glad Sean gave a shot at the accent so I could criticize someone else's (laughs) accent. (laughs) Yeah, yours is fucking terrible, but I've already showed my hand, so... I chose to do accents that weren't Australian on this episode. All right, so basically, she maneuvered to get all the his personal assets transferred over to the Hancock uh, Prospecting Estate, or... uh, the assets of Hancock Prospecting, which she inherited, and she used that mechanism to essentially fuck 
his widow out of um, major inheritance. Right. They had like an 11 year legal battle with uh, numerous accusations of murder, <laughs> including like Rose accused her, I believe, of hi- uh, attempted murder for hire. Um, uh, just quoting from the New Yorker, there were allegations of adultery, witchcraft, and attempted murder for hire. Wow. <laughs> um, but uh, it ended with Rose keeping uh, a few assets, including this like luxury mansion that uh, her late father had built for her, um, while Reinhardt had uh, total control of Hancock prospecting. You ever think and, like when she's having a hard day, she has kind of a Nixon during Watergate moment, and like holds a cocktail and asks her dad's jarred organs for advice. <laughs> I, I didn't used to think that. I do now, though. When they look at you, they see the aboriginal killer they want to be. <laughs> when they look at me, they see the aboriginal killer they are. Um, but so anyways, uh, <clears throat> uh, the, oh, the point is not only was she able to... I do it with the accent. <laughs> Not only was she able to screw the uh, the widow out, but um, basically this guy named Ken McCammy, who uh, comes up occasionally in uh, biographies of um, Lane uh, Reinhardt, Lang Hancock, excuse me, uh, uh, this guy, Ken, he was um, one of the, I believe, geologists who helped him out the most, the most, and he, in fact, credited a lot of his success to him, to this guy, like, helping him develop all these mining prospects, and he, in his will, left Ken McCammy, uh, quoting from the New Yorker here, uh, $500,000, and, in fact, he uh, credited um, Ken with finding the company's most valuable claims, but, uh, basically, Gina was able to use uh, that uh, uh, transfer to screw him out of this $500,000 that her father <laughs> left him in his will and he was not paid a penny and uh, quoting for the New Yorker he was quote fired uh, she fired the aging prospector shortly after her father died wow so it's like not only did she inherit that is money, some alpha ass grub staker yeah <laughs> uh, that's if, if you'll recall in the first episode a grub staker is someone who uh, pays a prospector mm-hmm. Uh, their overhead, their capital to find a mine, then pulls the profits. Gina is the ultimate grub staker here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, Lang is kind of a piece of shit, but it's also a good chunk of a, a product of his time. Gina, uh, born with a silver spoon up her ass, and is also just a terrible human being. Because hmm. it's like that 500 grand to that dude wouldn't have hurt her bottom line in the reality. It's a horseshit. It would have bankrupted her company. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it is just kind of fascinating. What Again, like her father himself credits this guy with finding the company's most valuable claims, which of course she inherits. Right. And then fucks him out of half a million dollars well, just I to mean, be spiteful. Hey, uh, hey, Sean, there's a whole bunch of diamonds in uh, the back room over there. Uh, we can split if you want. Oh, you're murdering me now? Uh, okay. How do you expect her to pay for those technical school poetry classes? <laughs> Um, uh, just uh, another uh, fun story about uh, Gina Reinhardt. Uh, her bodyguard. So basically, she becomes uh, and remains, uh, to the best of my knowledge, extremely paranoid. Yeah. Like she. Um, After her dad's death, all of them get bodyguards and security cameras. They get. Right. They get. Uh, they suit up, if you know what I mean. Right. So um, basically, I do qu- not. Quoting from the New Yorker, one of the bodyguards she hired was an ex-policeman named Bob Thompson. And in 1997, he filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against her. Uh, Basically, 
he had uh, accompanied Reinhardt and her children to Hawaii, California, Europe, and New Zealand. She grabbed the fuzz of the fuzz. <laughs> Uh, Reinhardt, quoting from the New Yorker, Reinhardt, he said, uh, wanted to marry him even though he was engaged to someone else. He said, quote, I told her over and over I wasn't interested, but she wouldn't take no for an answer. She insisted, he said, that he get an HIV test and that he tell her about his sex life, past and present. He described Reinhardt as, quote, incredibly lonely, and then he dropped the suit and disappeared, reportedly, after an out-of-court settlement. <laughs> <laughs> I like how disappeared isn't, we don't know what happened to him. <laughs> Wait, so the bodyguard of Gina was, uh, said that there was sexual harassment, and then one yes. of her daughters later on marries her bodyguard? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that, but yeah. interesting. Yes. Uh, not, not the same one. He's guarding the bottom of a mine right now. <laughs> He uh, disappeared to a deep in one of their minds. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, last seen being accompanied by a security personnel for the company <laughs> down the shaft of a, Also, uh, one thing I want to mention real quick, uh, in the House of Hancock show, mm-hmm. when Lang is like on his deathbed, uh, John, the grandson of uh, Lang, is, is sitting by his fa- grandfather, and Lang at one point just goes... Mining's a man's game, son. You need to know this. And I, I didn't know that uh, Gina had editing rights, but I like Gina watching and being like, yeah, dad would have said that. That sounds like him. <laughs> it was pretty sexist, especially when it came to the mining business. It was really a shame they had to shut down House of Hancock because of all that pedophilia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so anyways... Uh, uh, yeah, just an interesting little story about, you know, what kind of a weird, lonely person she is. Um, but so That's I, sad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I so feel bad for this woman worth $18 billion. <laughs> who I guess uh, we should kind of go back here because a lot of people might know her um, if they have ever Googled the word evil billionaire. <laughs> um, you but, mean that Netflix documentary, Evil Billionaire? Yeah, but so basically uh, she's probably most famous for saying in, uh, I believe, around 2012, quote, if you're jealous of those with more money, don't just sit there and complain. Do something to make more money yourselves. Spend less time drinking or smoking and socializing. Um, so, Andy, get on it. Accuse your dad's second wife of murder. <laughs> Put his organs in a jar. <laughs> and while she's distracted by the jarred organs, seize all the assets until she gives up and marries his best friend. Just like uh, uh, murder several hundred aboriginal people uh, with asbestos poisoning in your minds and then have a not at all consensual relationship with another one who's been kidnapped (laughs) by the government. She also uh, called for a wage cut Mm -hmm. uh, to Australian mine workers so that Mm -hmm. they could, quote, compete with African mine workers who make $2 a day. Yeah. She said such statistics make me worry for this country's future. And of course, this is a woman worth eighteen billion dollars. Yeah, there's a. Did you get that uh, trim the th- the thing drop, Andy? Uh, yeah. The, uh, there's a Q and A with I don't know who the fuck this dude is, but they're talking about various uh, industries. Was it Steve Irwin? <laughs> yeah, right. It was Steve Irwin. It was. Oh, his. that's the one I forgot. Yeah. Come on, Andy. <laughs> no, don't worry. I think you got enough. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get the one Australian that Australians <laughs> respect. <laughs> on our drops, man. But they're talking about uh, uh, 
new ways to increase uh, revenue in the mining industry. And, and she ta- was like, that's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. <laughs> you actually doesn't phrase it like that. That's a knife. <laughs> um, but uh, they're talking about various other markets, India and China. And she's very like respectable and like kind of like, yeah, we, we've got to see the world... Basically, she's saying, I'm going to pay broke people in third world countries less than I'm paying Australians if Australians don't shape the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at one point, she mentions how uh, Australians need to tighten their belts a little bit. Some more fat there, and we need to get into that. <laughs> and Gina, personally, you're worth X billion. I don't know what a billion's like, but... <laughs> I mean, one would seem a lot. Most people in this room would cop a billion. Eh? Would Not anyone here work one more day if they got a billion dollars? But do you ever think, with all the trauma, the trouble, the criticism, the carping, the media, that I'm off? I've had enough. Well, I'll, right I'll now I've got a, a little bit of a duty on, and that's a mega project. <laughs> so I'm yeah, certainly um, involved you could in that walk one. Away and hire someone else to do it. I think you still have to be a bit hands-on. Do you want it? Oh, yeah, you can stop this. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know you're going to play that long. <laughs> oh, no, no. I just, yeah, it was just the first part. That was the off YouTube. The fat. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, though? That, that clip is great because he's literally saying, you don't have to do shit anymore. And she's like, well, I mean, she's you're passing. right, but I can't admit it. If you listen to the whole thing, it is Steve Irwin interviewing her. Okay, and later in the interview, he says, you know, the thing about stingrays is that the teddy bears the ocean. <laughs> Is that what he says? You can just get up and cuddle them. <laughs> she had a controversial plan to use atomic weapons to wipe out stingrays. <laughs> but yeah, no, she. Me- so they decided to send a message. She mentioned her like big project there, and that's the Roy Hill mine. So basically, um, the Hope Downs and the Hammersley. Hope Downs is a big mine that she gets like a 50% cut of um, through, um, uh, what's it called, Rio Tinto, Mm -hmm. where it's like Rio Tinto does like most of the actual mining work. She just kind of has this 50-50 royalties deal. Hammersley's same deal. And like the dream of her father supposedly was to like develop and operate entirely their own mine. So that's what Roy Hill has been. But Roy Hill has been... uh, heavily delayed like it was supposed to open back in 2011 it still has not opened so it's like she talks about like you know 400 government permits or regulations she needs to like fill out to do mining and she you know complains about having to like deal with aboriginal tribes because there's you know indigenous rights and these kinds of things that they have to respect now that they didn't have to in the past and so it's like that's kind of like partly where some of her antipathy antipathy uh, towards government comes from. I do it with like, the accent. <laughs> comes from is like this Roy Hill project is like still not off the ground and still like tangled up in the courts. But if she can open it, there is like, um, you know, there's speculation that she might become the richest person on earth because uh, we haven't really mentioned this, but, uh, you know, Hancock Prospecting is not the biggest mining corporation in the world. It's right. just the fact that it's like, I believe the biggest private one where she owns 100% of Hancock prospecting except for what has been designated to her children through the trust. Um, So it's like most of these other mining corporations such as Rio Tinto are like publicly traded and owned by various institutional investors whereas she is the richest woman in Australia because she owns almost all of Hancock prospecting. Right. And yeah, she was speculated to exceed $100 before Bezos and people... Refer to as like the next richest person in the world, but mm. 
since 2012, her uh, personal net worth went down a bit. I haven't seen much about it, but I think it's attributed to a number of things, including the uh, increase in the value of the Australian dollar, where mm. when... Uh, I, I thought it was because a dingo ate her baby. <laughs> <laughs> More money for her, less for the baby. <laughs> Dingo gets a cut too. Who did he hire the dingo? <laughs> I'm realizing she that. She hired a bodyguard to protect her from dingoes. <laughs> Guys, stop fucking around. I'm trying to report here. I uh, Shut up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Australian dollar, I didn't realize this. It was worth like a quarter of the American dollar, and then it exceeded the American dollar in the last few years. Oh, wow. In worth. But that also kind of uh, decreased Australian exports and. That kind of hurt sure. her bottom well, line. Well, it should be noted, uh, the quote that she made in the start of that uh, clip uh, about tight Australians need to tighten their belts or they have a lot of room for fat or whatever. <laughs> like, First of all, look at yourself. Um, did you already make that one? I didn't say that one. No, you were okay. the first one to make it. All right, I said it off mic, but I chose to do, not do it on mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Australia has a... Statement Sean McCarthy makes about women do not represent the Grub Stakers. Uh, LLC. Yeah. LLC. Yeah. We would like to apologize in advance. Um, but so anyways, the point is... Uh, and retroactively. Uh, Australia has about a $16 an hour federal minimum wage, you know, and that's like a good thing for the average Australian worker. Like, uh, I remember like uh, I had a friend who was Australian and she was like, she came to Seattle to visit and like she like saw that Dick's Hamburgers, the Seattle chain was like starting at $10 an hour. And she's like, well, that's a garbage wage. Why are they posting <laughs> that? <laughs> like, why are they advertising that? You can make more than that anywhere in Australia. Um, so it's like, you know, the, the $16 an hour and she talks about, you know, what African people making $2 a day or whatever. Like, that's what Australians need to emulate when, of course, her bottom line interest is cutting labor costs. Um, but it's just kind of like... I mean, it's crazy because the other thing that uh, we should, uh, I'll just mention quickly here, is that uh, mining in Australia gets a ton of subsidies. So basically, the New Yorker article um, makes this point where Norway is kind of the counterexample, um, whereas, you know, uh, of course, iron uh, mining is a, a depletable resource. Like, once they extract it from the earth, it's gone. Um, Australia, or sorry, Norway did kind of a different thing where they taxed um, major oil companies heavily and created, uh, quote, the largest sovereign wealth fund in the world, which is now worth more than $700 billion, the uh, Norwegian oil fund, and they, you know, use that to, like, redistribute to their citizens and fund this, that, and third. Australia does not have similar taxes, and in fact, like, uh, uh, Prime Minister Kevin Rudd, I believe, proposed uh, this kind of taxation, There's and it was... 30% mine resource uh, rent tax on super profits. Right. That would affect companies with annual profits of over 75 million. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually it that actually got passed. It went into effect in it July got, 2012. It got watered down heavily. Oh. I don't know the exact details, but it was like uh, to the point where I do not believe she has paid anything under it so far. Really? Um, I, and I might be wrong on that, but I know it was heavily watered down, uh, at least according to the New Yorker. Um, but and from my research, you know, this is why Norway has uh, Toblerone and uh, Australia's got Vegemite. I mean, uh, you know, the tax subsidies on the uh, mining industry uh, affect your uh, casual uh, calorie intake. It was really fucked up how they used uh, Vegemite to blow up Tower Seven. <laughs> <laughs> 
but basically, the point of that is like, and so another uh, source, Australian Independent Media, says that in 2013, the uh, Australian Parliamentary Budget Office determined that. Uh, quote, 13 billion could be saved over the uh, forward estimates by abolishing the concessions given to minors. Uh, in 2014, the Australia Institute calculated that over a six-year period, state governments in Australia spent 16 points, or sorry, 17.6 billion supporting the mineral and fossil fuel industries. Um, so essentially, like, mining does get these government handouts, and they are not, like, taxed or in any way responsible to the community the way they are in Norway so it's like she's bitching about having to pay labor costs when in reality she's getting a huge free ride from the Australian government for right. extracting a natural resource that a lot of people like you know Henry George or whatever would argue should be shared among the community uh, I just want to apologize uh, Toblerone is a Swiss company it's not Norway so uh, mm. sorry about that guys we are going to lose all of our listeners who just, protect the Pope. Just, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just so sorry. We have a strong listenership in the Vatican Guard. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the Vatican, please listen to Crumb Stakers. <laughs> oh, God. Jude Law just turned off his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we going to talk about the, the kids and the trust fund case? Because I got a quote from John Hancock. I want to drop, drop, drop. Oh, wait. I got I to, gotta, right before that, I've got some, some quick dirt I just... Uh, is, is rediscovered your, from my notes. Is Apparently, your, is your quote from John Hancock in huge text? <laughs> <laughs> Burn, I like it. Thanks. All right, go, Andy. I don't get the reference. I've, I'm in an Australia mindset right now. Uh, <laughs> apparently, in uh, April of 2001, uh, this is after going back to the the death of Lang. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's witnesses said that uh, Mrs. or Ms. Poitras dressed uh, Mr. Hancock to death with tantrums, and apparently uh, Ms. Reinhardt had paid witnesses dirt on her former stepmother. And then there's another um, note here that apparently one of the star witnesses for uh, Gina in her like attempt at getting a murder trial, her star witness Julian Teodoro said that Rose had begged him to help her kill Mr. Hancock. But he refused um, to attend the inquest until he was paid $250,000 by Reinhardt. Oh Hell God. yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to spend the money on, uh, you know, $16 an hour minors, <laughs> but uh, you do what? She knows how to spend her money is the point. Um, he claimed that the, he would need the money for bodyguards. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, it is... Uh, it is also like we uh, before we get into like the dispute with her kids. I just want to mention one other quote from her, which is particularly about global warming. Uh, she's a huge global warming denialist. Um, the quote from Gina Reinhardt here, uh, quote, I'm yet to hear scientific evidence to satisfy me that if the very, very small amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, approximately 0.83% was increased, it could lead to significant global warming. I have never met a geologist or a leading scientist who believes adding more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere will have any significant effect on climate change. What? And this is from a woman who works in mining and is around geologists, <laughs> presumably all day, if she's doing her job. Uh, she also tried to um, buy, or she bought a large stake in Fairfax Media, which uh -huh. is... Uh, one of those the second largest media conglomerate in Australia after Rupert Murdoch's media conglomerate. She bought 18.6% of it mm -hmm. and she attempted to uh, put more money into it and buy three board chairs and then get the power to fire editors she didn't like. <laughs> and Fairfax Media denied it 
or denied her the ability to do that, and so then she just started dumping all the shares. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, they they say a baby elephant never forgets. <laughs> uh, it but never y- forgives. I guess we should talk a bit about the trust battle then. So basically, she, as we mentioned, she has four children, two with her first husband, two with her second. John um, Hancock, Bianca Reinhardt, Gania, uh, what the fuck's her name? I guess she's also Reinhardt. Yeah, Gania. And then Hope Welker is, mm-hmm. the, is the fourth. Right. So basically, uh, and again, this is according to the New Yorker, but um, her first three children all had like similar fallings out with her. Mm-hmm. Where, like, uh, John Hancock apparently had to go to this um, aboriginal uh, uh, illegitimate child we mentioned earlier in uh, 1992, I believe, um, he, she, he was sent out there. Um, and basically, Gina tried to get uh, this uh, woman to sign an agreement saying that it was actually her grandfather, not her father, who, like, uh, fathered her. Right. And uh, in 92, John Hancock would have been like 22 years old. He was born in 1976. Right. So he flew out there, but apparently he actually got along with this woman and her husband and then he like wouldn't do his mom's dirty work. And then, you know, kind of had like a falling out and was pushed out of the company. Um, (laughs) And like a similar kind of thing happened with um, her uh, second oldest child was a daughter. Bianca. uh, Right. And then... um, (laughs) Um, and I don't know the exact details, but a similar thing happened with the third child, and it's believed that the fourth child is the only one who still has a good relationship with her. That's right. So basically, uh, this lawsuit came out in 2011. Uh, the three oldest children uh, sued um, to remove Gina as the trustee of what's called the Hope Margaret Hancock Trust. Um, which Lang Hancock, her father, had actually created for his grandchildren. Um, the trust itself owns 24% of Hancock Prospecting, um, which is, of course, billions of dollars. Um, so basically, it was set up uh, by uh, uh, Lang Hancock so that Gina would control it only until it vested on the 25th birthday of her youngest child. Um, but uh, Gina Reinhardt decided to extend that vesting date, quoting from New Yorker, ostensibly to avoid tax consequences to 2068, uh, when, of course, John, her oldest child, would be 92 years old. (laughs) So basically, she made a power play um, on, I believe, uh, yeah, shortly before her youngest child's 25th birthday, she made a power play to try and get them to sign this thing that would... um, put her in control of the trust until 2068. Um, And (laughs) this is my favorite part. Uh, According to the New Yorker, she said, quote, that they faced bankruptcy if they didn't sign the documents agreeing to (laughs) their terms. Like, you know, of course, if you don't sign over all control of the trust to me, then we will be bankrupt. Right. Uh, Uh, During this case, uh, John quoted as responding to a question about living off the family trust. This This is a quote. Well, it'd be nice if I was, but I have all the bad things about having money and none of the good things. I just, I just love that there's so many bad things about living off of someone else's money. <laughs> I just wish I had some of that good stuff, you know, like knowing how much of it I have and how much I could spend tomorrow on the shit that I don't need. I mean, I imagine there's a certain level of trauma getting raised by Gina Reinhardt. <laughs> like, it, it, I, I'm, I'm not in a good place to judge parenting. Mm-hmm. But if your children all yeah, sue Andy you, doesn't speak to his children <laughs> <laughs> ever. I you guess. can't prove they're mine. Uh, 
is what he says to them on a nightly basis. <laughs> yeah, as I'm talking to men, the tests are inconclusive. Look, I wasn't the government official who chose to re-educate them at an official school. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess one of the bad things about being rich, I guess if you're like one of the Sackler kids, would be like making shitty music or presiding over <laughs> shitty art exhibits. Yeah, I think so. Being heads of charities that don't need to exist or never needed to exist. <laughs> Just cashing uh, inheritance checks paid for with blood money. <laughs> <laughs> Writing horse novels on Amazon and getting poor <laughs> reviews. You know, the fun stuff about being rich. Uh, Apparently, uh, in court documents, her children called her deceitful and she called them slackers. Yeah, and one of the things I saw, she's quoted as being like, my children don't know the meaning of hard work. And it's like, whoo, <laughs> kettle calling the uh, pot black. Yeah. Yeah, like, so basically, I think she was, like, part of why she tried to take the t- the trust away from them was because they, like, in her view, vacationed too much sure, or some bullshit. Sure. Like, you know, <laughs> like, somebody with uh, $18 billion should never vacation. <laughs> in uh, one of the courts, uh, during legal battle, uh, G- John Hancock called his youngest sister, Jania, uh, who was the one that sided with Gina, uh, an oxygen thief. Mm-hmm. And boy, what a great insult. Did you know that when he signed the court papers, he wanted to make sure it was big enough that Queen Georgina could read it? (laughs) Uh, uh, But uh, so basically, uh, from my understanding of the trust case, eventually the second uh, oldest daughter was given control of the trust, uh, but not before the third oldest daughter, uh, Hope, uh, who lives in New York, uh, we'll have her on soon. Uh, but she basically uh, capitulated where she, uh, according to like emails, she was writing like her mama or mem, I think she called her, mm-hmm. M-E-M, uh, like saying like, uh, oh, I need money because like she has like, she lo- she has bodyguards in New York. She has like her children in private school and right. stuff. And so basically Gina cut off her allowance yeah. until she capitulated. She kept loaning money to uh, a German girl who was at all the parties. Have you guys seen that article? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I read all of that today, actually. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, the Daily Telegraph article basically talks about how the kids didn't realize that talking about their money in courtrooms would mean that their money issues would be in the media. Mm-hmm. So after a few months of it, there's emails that were leaked basically saying that, like, the kids at a certain point were like, hey, we know how we're suing you. Yeah, we need money for bodyguards now because <laughs> everyone knows how much money we're trying to get from you. <laughs> and so it's like personal emails exchanged between Australia's richest person and two of her daughters were tendered in the NSW Supreme Court yesterday as Miss Reinhardt tried to suppress details of her family trust battle on security <laughs> grounds. So, you know, it's like, it's, you know, I've been rewatching Arrested Development recently and I can't believe how many rich families implode based off of, well, you know, fucking Job got a trophy and I didn't. Like, it's like, it's the same stupid, envious, jealousy nonsense. And the reality is, it's like, hey, all of you are well off. If you're trying to edge a person out for 10% more trust fund money, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, and my takeaway watching Arista Development was I can't believe uh, how many families implode because Jeffrey Tambor sexually <laughs> harasses a cast member. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, so uh, 
I wanted to talk uh, quickly about uh, uh, defamation before we get to the uh, coup de gras here, uh, which uh, I'm sure our Australian listeners, wherever they may be, are probably familiar with. The real uh, uh, rue meat of the story. <laughs> uh, the uh, wonderful poem written by Miss Gina Reinhardt. But uh, uh, just real quickly, from the New Yorker story, uh, is partly where I learned about this defamation stuff, but basically the New Yorker reporter who was going around uh, found it extremely difficult to find Australians who would talk to him on the record about Gina Reinhardt <laughs> because she is notorious for suing people for libel and defamation. As we mentioned, she got this series edited and apparently has made part one utterly unavailable. That's right. The New Yorker uh, quotes one former associate as saying, quote, I don't want to lose my house. Uh, uh, meaning that he meant that Reinhardt might sue him for defamation, a relatively easy thing to do in Australia, and that uh, defending himself against this sort of legal onslaught she's renowned for mounting would leave him destitute. And again, when there are libel or defamation laws and you are the richest person in Australia, right. it's relatively easy. And we should also just mention that like, uh, she has kind of an incestuous relationship with the political process in, in Australia. She's been seen at like secret meetings with MPs. I believe the current uh, president or a chairperson or some sort of uh, executive director is a former uh, Liberal Party uh, parliamentarian. And, of course, in Australia, the Liberal Party is actually the Conservative Party, you know, and the toilets flush backwards and everything <laughs> Everything else you associate with uh, backwards. <laughs> Everything's opposite land. The richest billionaire is a woman. It's crazy over there. <laughs> and uh, unlike in France, she's not even hot. <laughs> Talking about the L'Oreal Harris. Um, but again, we should emphasize that Sean's a stick and that's why he makes fat jokes. <laughs> he's, he's a little jealous of anyone with more than 2% body fat. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm always trying to get Andy kicked off the podcast. <laughs> I, uh, I just want our listeners, all of them to know that all of our Australian listeners are from East Australia. So just know we got your back East Australia. <laughs> Yeah. All Those the fucking racist Western hicks. <laughs> By the way, when we talk about Australian uh, racism against the Aborigines, we are talking about Western Australian right. racism right. against the Aborigines. We just want to be clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. They've but got I, all the shitty penguins. Uh, but I guess before we get to the the poem, we should explain some background. She's uh, financed a variety of groups in addition to her purchasing of media outlets. She also uh, supports, you know, think tanks and anti-tax groups. Um, <clears throat> in particular, one, uh, quoting from The New Yorker, uh, Northern Australia is a campaign to persuade the country that the hot, sparsely populated northern third of the continent should be declared, quote, a special economic zone. This term comes from China, of all places, with lower no taxes or minimum wage or regulation. Wow. And, uh, of course, her idea is to just set up her little fiefdom over there where she gets to be the, an the uh, anarcho-capitalist <laughs> ruler slash warlord. Who slash like poet laureate. <laughs> <laughs> who like beheads people for making mini series about her <laughs> uh but yes like it, it, and i we did mention this at the top but um you know demand from china has really rocketed the price of iron ore up a lot so most of her wealth just comes from global commodities markets and uh, property rights <laughs> but uh Part of her special economic zone project led her to pen uh, this magnificent poem called Our Future. And uh, this is, I believe, found 
at the uh, bottom of a what is it a monument in uh, near Perth. Uh, Perth. Perth. Yeah, it's uh, in. Uh, wait a second, gotta bring it up. Morley. Okay. Which is a suburb of Perth. So she carved this poem into a monument, probably to herself. And uh, if I could just get a few snaps, I'll, I'll read it for the assembled. Our future. The globe is sadly groaning with debt, poverty, and strife. And billions now are pleading to enjoy a better life. Their hope lies with the resources buried deep within the earth and the enterprise and capital which give each project worth. In our future, threatened with massive debts run up by political hacks who dig themselves out by unleashing rampant tax. The end result is sending Australian investment, growth, and jobs offshore. This type of direction is harmful to our core. Some envious, unthinking people have been conned to think prosperity is created by waving a magic wand. Through such unfortunate ignorance, too much abuse is hurled against miners, workers, and related industries who strive to build the world. Develop North Australia, embrace multiculturalism, and welcome short-term foreign workers to our shore. They're to much cheaper. <laughs> to <laughs> benefit from the export of our minerals and ores. The world's poor need our resources. Do not leave them to their fate. Our nation needs special economic zones and wiser government before it is too late. And... Um, that, if you bring that to a Rhode Island poetry slam, you will fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on ABC in um, in Australia, they actually, they got a, a professor to analyze the poem, and they got this little gem. Okay, if a creative writing student put that in front of you and said, this is what I reckon, how would you assess it on that basis? Uh, the first I'd say, well, you've got to get the punctuation right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Andy. Andy, what did, what did he actually say? Oh, um, yeah, the rest of that quote is... Uh... The dingo's got my baby! <laughs> <laughs> uh... And then he also had to say... That's a knife. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. Did he also plug the uh, shrimp at uh, Outback Steakhouse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Was God. he drinking anything during this? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, apparently it was a Corona. A... <laughs> Foster's Australian <laughs> food. Uh, and then he instructed the host for some reason. Um, and you're gonna have to learn to say good day. Oh, okay. Because every day is a good day in Australia, <laughs> uh, unless you're an Aboriginal miner. <laughs> uh, Come and say good day. I'll slip an extra shrimp on the barbie. Oh, here. all right. All right, but uh, anyways, the thanks to uh, Gina Reinhart and her uh, selfless embrace of That's multiculturalism right. and uh, giving opportunity to foreign workers. Yes, yes, yes. For no bottom line interest whatsoever, <laughs> and in no way attempting to undercut the sixteen dollar an hour minimum wage in Australia. Thanks to all of our listeners yeah. checking out Grubstakers all around the globe. We're very happy you're here. Wind with that, I'm Yogi Pollywall. I'm Andy Palmer. Sean P. McCarthy. Thank you for listening. <laughs>